morning. Good morning. Well, I'm on. Yes, I'm on. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, LifeSpring. Wow, what a fantastic morning. I don't know about you guys, but this is the best day of the week, isn't it? Yes. By a long shot. It's lovely to come together as family, as people, the body of Christ, and worship our King. Isn't it great? What a great, great morning. I just want to say again, if you're a guest here this morning, if you're friends visiting, or if you're returning friends, welcome Mo. We just want to say to one and all of you, you're so welcome. Yeah. My name is Mornay, um, and we're going to have a great morning this morning. So, some of you might be thinking, what is he wearing? <laughs> Shake of the head. Has there been some kind of wardrobe malfunction? You know, it's a bit loud, it's a bit fast. It's still winter, mate. Have you not looked outside? There's trees blowing all over the place. It's no time for a show like this, but there's a reason. There is a very good reason. The thing is, when I usually wear this shirt, it's usually holidays. Maybe the sun is definitely shining, not maybe, the sun's definitely shining. There's a barbie involved, or braai as I'd like to call it, barbecue for the English. We're having fun, aren't we? We're on holidays. And I'm in a place of rest. I am even at peace. And that's what we're going to talk to you about today. So we're roughly midway through our current sermon series called Truth. And today we're going to talk about peace. What is peace? When we say peace, I'm talking true, tangible, biblical peace. You know, friends, peace is not... Peace is a word that's used by very various people in various different ways to describe various different scenarios, mostly to describe the absence of conflict or the absence of war. Another common use of the word is, as I said, rest. Some of our, some of our most widely recognised dictionaries defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet, while others describe it as a state of being calm and quiet. For example, we're describing a place as peaceful or saying, my mind is at peace. However, peace in the Bible is very much different. Biblical peace is more than just the absence of conflict or a state of rest. It means completeness. It means wholeness. And it points to the presence of something or someone. It points to the presence of Jesus. So I titled the sermon this morning, No Justice, No Peace. That'll become clearer as we go along. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself, because it is not there. There is no such thing. The peace of God is different to the peace of the world. Biblical peace is more than just the absence of conflict. It is taking action to restore a broken situation. It is more than just a state of inner tranquility. As I said before, it's a state of completeness. It's a state of oneness and wholeness. Biblical peace we cannot create on our own. 
It is a fruit of the Spirit. God is the source of peace. Judges 6.24 refers to Him as Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. Okay, now that we had a brief look at this word peace, let's see what the Scripture says. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans 5 and we're going to go from verse 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What a passage. It's all there in a nutshell, 11 verses. Today, I want to take us, I want to look at peace from a few different directions or angles. We will be swinging, turning, pivoting, if you like, as we go along. But the first thing we want to look at is the glorious gospel of Jesus. Well, friends, the whole paragraph depends on the opening words. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Paul makes this bold assertion that since we have been justified or made right with God, we now have peace with God. And the term justified means declared righteous. The New Testament writers, and Paul specifically, defines the term in a judicial sense. Imagine God the judge sitting on his throne, declaring you the believer, in light of what Jesus has done on your behalf, you are now righteous. Things are now right with you and with me, he says. Court dismissed. This is the good news of the gospel. But let's just for a moment really comprehend. Let's just for a moment really take in the gravity of this. Let us remind ourselves what God has done. Let's break it down. We were enemies of God. We were at odds with Him. We were in opposition to Him due to our rebellious and our sinful nature. We were separated from Him. We had 
no relationship because of Adam and the fall. That's facts. God is a righteous and a just God and cannot stand sin. Paul tells us that God's wrath burns against all the people until they surrender to the gospel. Now, this might come across a bit harsh, but we are in a series called The Truth, and this is the facts. We can't hide from it. It gets better though. Whilst we were powerless, ungodly, and out and out sinners and enemies of God, Jesus died for us on the cross. By Him taking on our sins and being a sacrifice for us, God's wrath was satisfied and our sins are no more. We have been made right with God by the blood of Jesus. Amen? To give us a a better understanding of what Jesus did for us and how awesome this good, good news is, I'd like to tell you a true story. A true story of a young Marine in the United States Army. And it goes like this. On the 4th of December, 2006, a 19-year-old Ross McGuinness was manning the turret of an armoured vehicle on patrol in East Baghdad. Suddenly, a hand grenade fell into the vehicle from the rooftop thrown by an insurgent Iraqi. From his vantage point in the turret, Ross McGuinness could see the crew were all about to die because there was no time for them to exit the vehicle before the blast. He could have jumped clear, but instead he jumped down. He threw his body on the grenade and smothered the explosion. He died instantly, but the rest of the crew all survived. His selfless act earned him the posthumous Medal of Honor. Now, Unlike the Iraqi grenade, God's wrath towards us was completely justified. In fact, God would have been unjust not to burn with anger against us. What is more, unlike the crew of Ross's Humvee, we were all Jesus' enemies instead of his friends. We were not his friends, we were not his crew, we were his enemies. Paul tells us literally in verse eight that God commends his love for us through the fact that his son became our bodyguard when we were fighting on the wrong side. We were fighting for the opposition. Just picture this for a moment. Just picture this unthinkable thought. Just close your eyes for a moment. Bear bear with me. Ross McGuinness throwing himself on a hand grenade to save a bunker filled with Iraqi insurgents. Think about it for a second. If you can picture that, then we are getting closer to grasp what it meant for Jesus to shield us from the wrath of God with his body on the cross. Friends, this is the horrible and yet beautiful picture and story of the gospel. It is baffling It's humbling, it's mind-blowing. And what it does, it rules out boasting on on our behalf. We done nothing. 
by the blood of Jesus, we were justified. We were made right. We were made in right relationship. And God's anger, His wrath, was satisfied. And because we were justified, we are now at peace. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. It's not the absence of something, it's the presence of something. And if you have given your life to Him, you have confessed your sins and believed that He's your Lord and Saviour, then this peace is yours. It is not something to attain. It's not something to earn. It's not something to work towards. It's not something to achieve. It is yours now. Fact. Charles H. Brent says this, the happy sequence culminating in fellowship with God is penitence, pardon, and peace. The first we offer, the second we accept, and the third we inherit. Jesus did it all. There is nothing for me or you to do. Nothing to worry about. Your sins have been removed as far as from the east as to the west. They are no more. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our peace. He's our Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says this. We all know this. Every Christmas we read this. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon His shoulder. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the good news of the gospel. We have been made right with God through Jesus' death. And therefore we are at peace. If we are his son or his daughter, we are standing in peace. We are, we have peace. That's number one. Number two, the pursuit. Well, the pursuit of peace is a, it's a universal human obsession. Whether it is on an international, industrial, a domestic, um, or personal, <laughs> personal peace. It is an, a human obsession. There's something that drives us forward. And as we have seen fundamentally, the most fundamental of all is peace with God. That's what the human race is after, is peace with God, their creator. Now, having said that, we live in a world where although we long for peace and have this major obsession of it, stress, mental health and anxiety is an all-time high. According to the Office of National Statistics, 38% of adults in the UK are suffering with high levels of anxiety. 39.2% of our children, 6 to 16-year-old, has had deterioration in their mental health since 2017. Over the last year, we've seen the sad, the tragic, the terrible events of young people just not being able to cope with life. Taking their lives because of anxiety, because of worry, because of concern, because of the absence of peace. Life has just got too much. And friends, the thing is, it's on our doorstep. It's right here. It's in Horsham. It's not right. The world is in dire need of good news the good news of peace, 
the good news of Jesus. The world is in a dark place with all kinds of self-help programs, quick fixes and the latest fads with the hope that it will make us feel better and give us a sense of peace. What we also know is that the pursuit of peace and happiness is more often than not directed into the wrong things and activities that, that turn into a poor substitute. It's only a poor substitute. And that actually causes more harm and distress. Alcohol, drug abuse, gambling, all forms of escapism. It is temporary. It is false. And it is harmful. John, John 14 verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Again, true peace is not the absence of certain things, situations or circumstances. That's not the case. But it's the presence of Jesus in our lives. Paul Chappelle says this, because of the empty tomb, we have peace. Because of his resurrection, we can have peace during even the most troubling of times because we know he's in control of all that happens in the world. What the world needs is Jesus. What the world needs is to hear this message of peace. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the prizes, but there was only two that he really liked and he had to choose between the two of them. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for peaceful towering mountains were all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. All who saw the picture thought it was the perfect picture of peace. The other picture had mountains too, but these were rugged, they were bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell, lightning was playing in the air. Down the side of the mountain rumbled and tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked at it, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. And in the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There in the midst of the rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest. Perfect peace. What picture do you think won the prize? The king chose the second one. And you, you ask, why is that? Well, because the king explained. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Woodrow Kroll says this, 
in our minds, if our minds are stayed upon God, His peace will rule the affairs entertained by our minds. If on the other hand, we allow our minds to dwell on the cares of the world, God's peace will be far from our thoughts. Remember back in week one, Joss said that throughout each week, we were going to look at three objectives to help us steer our way through the truth of the gospel. Remember that? We had three objectives and we were going to look at them through lenses. The first one was to define the content of the gospel. Well, I think we did that today. By the blood of Jesus, we have been made right with God and are at peace with Him. Amen, we've got that. Number two, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, true peace is not the absence of things or escapism, but it's the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, okay? Tick. lastly, how do we share with others? Let's look at that now. Well, friends, we have to go and take this message of peace. This gospel, wherever we go, and I'm, I am now convinced that we know how to define it, we, in week six, I think, five or six, how to define it and how to communicate it. This glorious story of our Lord Jesus, we know this. John Piper describes it like this. He says, the best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and him so that we may find everlasting joy in seeing and savoring his infinite beauty. The world is in a dire need of peace. They are floundering in the dark, falling about in the midst of chaos amongst the lies and false promises this world sells and feeds through every TV news and social media channel. It's an offensive, it's a bombing campaign. The enemy is throwing everything at it. It's relentless, it never ceases. What is the counter-offensive, friends? What is the antidote? What is the adequate, the ultimate, and the supreme response? We know it, it's Jesus. It is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The world needs peace. People need peace, true peace. The peace that the gospel offers. The peace that is on offer when you enter into relationship with God. In, his, uh, in the first paragraph of Augustine's autobiography, Confessions, he closes with the most memorable of lines. He says this, he's speaking to God. He says, Augustine says this, you have made us for yourself and our hearts is restless until it rests in you. I'll read it again. You have made us for yourself and our hearts is restless until it rests in you. He goes on to say that God is our creator. He knows us intricately. He's formed us. He knows exactly what we need. Each and every single one of us, whatever we go through, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're wrestling with, in those darkest times of night when we are struggling, he knows exactly what we need. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14 says this, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You 
have made us for yourself. And our hearts is restless until it rests in you. We find our rest and peace only in him. We know this peace. We have this peace. We have been made right with God. We are peace carriers. This is part of our inheritance. When we became sons and daughters of the king, we inherited peace. It was given to us. So what now? What now, we ask? Well, Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for you shall be called sons of God. We are peacemakers. We are peace carriers. We take this message of peace to our neighbours, our barbers, our hairdressers, wherever we go. We need to take this message because the world needs to hear this message. Blessed are the peacemakers. I was walking a dog on Thursday morning, pondering this talk, praying, and out of nowhere, the word or phrase UN peacekeepers just dropped into my head. God and I had a bit of a chuckle, um, but what it is, is this. UN peacekeepers are deployed into areas of conflict. They're deployed into areas where there was a war and it's now finished. They want to try and navigate life, both parties. They are, UN peacekeepers are impartial. They don't take sides. They take no side in any dispute. Let me tell you this, friends. We are not UN peacekeepers. We are kingdom peacemakers and carriers, and we do take a side. We don't just lend a helping hand, be nice, and offer a worldly view of peace, this short-term, non-lasting, fictitious idea of feeling great. That's not what we do. We are sons and daughters of the King. We belong to the kingdom of light, and we bring true peace that stems from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The glorious and beautiful message of salvation, this promise of eternity with God, this truth that we are now free from sin and death, at peace with God through the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12, 11, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testament. This is the devil. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The enemy, Satan, has been defeated on the cross. He holds no sway over us anymore. He will, though, try and throw everything at us. He will even place our past, our sins, like a panoramic view in front of us. But, and this is a massive but, he has no power. We are justified and we are at peace. This is the peace that we bring to the world. Friends, and as we come into land, just a quick, just a quick recap. We live in a world which is in serious need of peace. A world that is struggling with big social issues, declining mental health, and are trying to find peace in all the wrong places and through all the wrong things. A world that's being fed lies, promises of relief and escape, I call it it's absolute folly. But the truth is that the only genuine, lasting and true peace is on offer. It's the peace that Jesus 
claimed at the cross. Our sins and our trespasses have been forgiven. God looks on us and counts us as righteous. And whatever happens going forward, we have been made right with God. Therefore, we are at peace. That is the peace that we want to take out there. Romans 8.1, famous verse, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Dr. Mark Lloyd-Jones says this of that verse. He says, no condemnation. There is therefore now no. Therefore, now no. What important words there are, he says. He says this, he says, the words remind us of our position now as Christians. Look at the word no, no condemnation. What a statement. No is a little word of two letters, but we are aware of its full meaning. It is entire, it is complete, and it is absolute. In other words, Paul is saying that a Christian is a person who has been taken entirely outside of the realm of any possible or conceivable condemnation at peace. We must understand that we cannot yo-yo between justified and being condemned. It's not, it's not possible. Just because we sin does not mean that we're under condemnation. Again, it is not possible. He loves us. We are at peace. You, I, none of us did anything to obtain our righteousness. How can we lose it by anything we do? No condemnation. We can never enter a state of condemnation again. And that's the fact. We are at peace with God, friends. It is a wonderful, isn't it? A freeing thought. We are in total freedom. Philippians 4, 7 And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Chris, if I could, thanks. Matthew Henry, to finish off, Matthew Henry said this, Christ died. He left a will in which he gave his soul to his father, his body to to Joseph of Arimathea, his clothes to the soldiers, his mother to John, but to his disciples, that's us, who had left all to follow him. He left no, not silver or gold, but something far better, his peace. Amen.